Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm Brooke, and we're coming to you today from our respective home offices in Portland, Oregon. And things are changing faster than ever in the events industry. So we reached out to some experts to help give us insights into what event professionals are doing to quickly pivot their event strategy. Today, we have Danny Silva. He's the Director of Technology Integration with Q Inc. And he's gonna talk to us about how they shifted a really important event to virtual in basically no time at all. Yeah, and he has some incredible tips on how his team approached this major shift, as well as some cool, innovative uses of technology that helped him achieve his business goals during this time. You're not gonna wanna miss this one. That's right, so let's get to the conversation with Danny. So Danny, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, not a problem. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Why don't we just jump right into it? Can you give us a little bit of background on how you ended up as the Director of Technology of Integration with Q? Sure. I'll make it as short as I can. Um, uh, interesting story. I was an ag teacher that loved technology, and I was, uh, became the technology coordinator and started doing some professional development. Q uh, noticed me, and so I started working for Q as their professional development coordinator. But because I love systems and how to make systems work and interact with each other, um, they moved me into this director of technology integration role. And so now I basically um, help to bring cool things to queue um, for us to utilize for registration platforms or for us to bring to our membership. That's cool. It's like you took a passion and made a career out of it. Yeah, kind of. Yes. Just living the dream. <laughs> I love that, Brooke. Is that what we're doing at the podcast? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, Danny, I remember when I talked to you, like you had this really cool experience of pivoting from a live event to virtual. Can you tell us about like what type of event that was? So uh, Q is a nonprofit organization, membership organization. We have about 27,000 members. We've been around since 1978. And our mission is to basically help teachers uh, learn how to use great pedagogy and uh, using technology and education. And so our events typically evolve around uh, professional development for educators and around technology use in the classroom. And so um, our event, we have several events throughout the year, but this is our big event. This was, it's usually around 5,000 people plus or minus. And um, it's held in Palm Springs in the, in the spring every year. And we were ready for it. We were one week out and um, COVID-19 was stomping down the door. And so we decided to um, one week out before the event to allow people to have time to cancel hotel rooms and things like that. We decided to switch, not cancel, switch to a virtual event. And so then the race was on. <laughs> Having to switch something like that is incredibly probably stressful, but also a little creative too. I think that you probably enjoy trying to do that problem solving side of things. Um, one of the things, though, that we're running into is, you know, sometimes I think that exhibitors really value that face-to-face -face interaction. How did you navigate that? I imagine at first your exhibitors didn't like the shift from live to virtual, but what did you do to win them over? Sure, sure. And, and I think it all goes back to what the event became. Um, we were able to pivot in one week, like I said. We actually launched one day later than what the uh, actual event was going to launch at. We were supposed to launch on the 19th and we launched on the 20th. And that was actually a decision we made to, to open on a Friday instead of a Thursday. And yes, you're right. Our exhibitors were not excited about this prospect. Um, they didn't know how they were going to get their leads that they normally would get from a face-to-face -face event. Um, but 
we quickly adapted and once the event launched and they saw the traction it was getting and the amount of audience that was participating with our event, um, we also moved to a virtual exhibit hall. And at first they weren't excited about that, but when the exhibit hall launched and they started seeing the traction that that was also getting, um, they quickly started saying, oh, yes, now I want to be part of your virtual exhibit hall. They also, um, it was fun because the virtual exhibit hall allowed them to interact with each other as well. And they were able to get in and they started seeing what each other were doing. And they were calling us up and saying, hey, by the way, can I do something like this? And because we had helped set it up, uh, us and another organization, another company, um, we knew exactly what the other exhibitors were doing. And, and we're like, you're just copying these other people, <laughs> aren't you? And so it was fun because they were innovating off of each other with trying to be sly. But, but they, got, they got into it. Um, at, we actually, um, the, the nice thing about the exhibit hall also is we went and moved from a normal exhibit hall, which would be only open to the attendees of the event, the face-to-face -face event. Um, we turned it into a public worldwide event. So as long as you had wanted to get access, you could get access. And, um, so we actually also sent that out to our 27,000 members, to try to drive more people. Of course, virtual exhibit hall isn't for everybody. They're not quite sure what's going on. So it's, it was a learning process. But at last, uh, last total, I think we we're around 900 um, virtual hall attendees in the exhibit hall. And so, um, I mean, 900 out of 4,000, quarter, 25%, doesn't sound great when you think about it, but it's a lot better than zero. Right. And so, yeah. um, and the, here's the other cool part that's 900 within the first two weeks. Um, because the exhibit hall is actually going to last for an entire month, um, past the event. And so that is going to allow, um, that exhibit hall to get even more traction over the long term. And so it'll be interesting to see what the final numbers are. I'm guessing I'm, I'm hoping for, you know, close to 40 to 50% of our, um, total numbers will be in that exhibit hall, which would be awesome. Um, and then of course our event lasted for two weeks. So, um, they're getting access to that exhibit hall for almost uh, a month and a half at that point. That's so cool. I mean, when was the last time that an exhibitor could say that they had a presence for a month and a half? I mean, that's a really nice benefit for this switch to virtual. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I can understand some exhibitors, they're, they're, market might not work in a virtual environment, but um, I think a lot of our, uh, our market for our exhibitors is technology-based. So it just kind of makes sense that they're able to flip that switch and move to a virtual environment. Um, the cool part is it's a little bit, the platform we're using is kind of a gamification platform that they helped us to turn into an exhibit hall. So uh, it allows people to interact uh, do some tasks, get a chance to win raffle prizes from the exhibitors as well. Um, it also gives our exhibitors a chance to get lead retrieval um, because if they interact with that particular booth, um, then they can get access to that, that uh, person's information. Um, so it really is helping exhibitors. It, it's, and when you think about it, they don't have anything else going on right now either. So this is, really something that's helping them in the long run because otherwise there's no conferences that I know about that are going on right now. Right. So, yeah. um, definitely. 
I, I think it was a really, really cool switch for us. And I like what you said about how like one exhibitor would see what another exhibitor is doing and kind of copy. I mean, that's kind of what's happening right now though, right? Like we're all just sort of learning together because it's a yep. whole bunch of stuff that we've never really had to consider before. And it sounds like you guys were using a lot of technology, obviously, um, to switch to this virtual environment. I have to imagine that there were some hiccups along the way, maybe a few issues here or there. <laughs> what did you run into and then how did you overcome those? Yes, and, and as with technology, there's always issues, right? Uh, you, and we can be a technology organization and uh, we can have the hiccups for sure, right? Uh, even Google and the Apple and, and Microsoft have hiccups. So um, the big ones for us were basically the learning curve to make the switch. Um, we had... Uh, we went live to Facebook for our large sessions. So we, we took 350 face-to-face -face sessions and events and moved that uh, within a week. We flipped that and we were able to retain 200 sessions. Um, and some of those were large, large scale sessions like our keynotes and things like that. So what we decided to do early on was um, normal sessions we put behind, quote, the paywall and you had to be logged in to get to. But keynotes, large fun sessions that we want to make sure we showcase that what Q was all about. We, we streamed to Facebook and our first night, um, we really had a lot of Facebook issues. Our stream kept dropping, our feed kept dropping. We were, we were actually recording live um, to Facebook and doing a Zoom live to Facebook and it ended up having some major issues. So we, we had to adapt and switch and we, we made some calls. And what we ended up doing was we recorded live to the can, live to record. And then we had two versions. We had the re recording. And then what we did is we pushed the recording out to Facebook as a live stream. And if that was to fail, we had the recording as a backup that we could just always post to Facebook also. So that ended up saving us. And of course, we, we, got, we had the trolls. Look at this tech company having issues. And well, <laughs> not much we can do. We're not Facebook, right? But, but those were the type of things. We also had a small issue. Um, because we made the switch from a, um, our website, our app, everything, Crowd Compass app was all public facing. So anybody could go on and see any of the session information and, and it actually helps to drive our marketing, right? Because, hey, check out all the cool stuff. Come and be part of our face-to-face -face event. Well, what we did was we moved to a, um, we needed to move those to private because we actually were posting the Zoom links in Crowd Compass and on the website of the in the description. And so we made those invitation only you had to be a registered attendee to get to with that switch we had a slight issue with the app um, we had some slight issues with people logging into the website because they didn't know what to do um, and lucky enough uh, cvent support um, and my crowd compass team that i was working with the event build team they quickly knew exactly what had happened they figured out what had happened and they made that switch and basically what had happened is when we moved to private and we resent the invitations, um, it turned out that every invitation was duplicated and that caused a hiccup, a glitch. And so our, the CVent team quickly removed all those invites and then resent them out and it fixed it at that point. Um, as far as the website go side goes, it wasn't really a glitch. It was more of a user issue, um, if you could say it that way. And people didn't know how to log into their account. So I quickly spun up a canned email um, that 
using the power of Cvent, we had, we're able to use the contact list, the invitation list, and I put the data tags in there for their confirmation name and their, their email address that they used to, to register with. And so if anybody called up uh, our office and said, I'm having issues, we just would find that person, send that email, and all that information was sent right to their inbox. They just clicked the link, used the information provided by those data tags, and they were into the backside of the website and was able to look at the attendee information. So it was, uh, uh, again, a learning process, a couple of hiccups, but uh, we got through it. And um, with those hiccups, we actually um, got better. And one thing, as I, we've, we've talked about, is the idea that um, we took a three-day face-to-face event and we turned it into a two-week event. We were contemplating of keeping it three days and just blowing it out and getting it done. But if we would have done that, we didn't, we didn't find our stride, if you will, and find those and fi- fix those hiccups until the second or third day, which means the event would have been over and it would have been horrible because it would have been, everything would have just been the hiccups, right? But because it was two weeks, we were done with the, the hiccups in the first couple of days and the remaining two weeks was just, we just sailed through. We, we had lots of work still yet to do, but, but we sailed through, there was less hiccups and, um, it was a really big success and um, we really got noticed. And so um, people are now seeing us as the, if you will, one of the leaders in this movement. And um, we have a lot of uh, professional development opportunities coming our way because of it. Yeah. And I, I love what you said. And Cody, we've heard this a lot in our interviews recently is there's just this appetite for things not going perfectly right now because we all know we're trying things different than we have before. So maybe a you know video isn't perfectly live streaming on Facebook, but you were able to still kind of roll with the punches, turn it around and see some pretty amazing engagement um, and still probably, right? Like, because it's such a, a long event. Um, I get it. You weren't able to take a vacation right in the middle of it, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's really interesting learnings. Are there any other like pros or cons that you learned from that, taking it from a three day to a two week event? Uh, we did find some issues with um, just, just the movement and the change of trying to reset up the change, all the scheduling, things like that. We, we did find some cool, you know, we, we were using HTML snippets inside of uh the event and as well as the app to put up session resource links. And so we then uh, quickly switched that to put up the Zoom link. So that was, that was awesome. Again, using the power of Cvent to make sure that happens. Um, and so we were able to quickly make the app basically the portal to our, um, our Zoom sessions. And it was super cool that way. So people just click and go. And then what we ended up doing was we were recorded a lot of those sessions. And so we'd go back in and remove the session data tags for, or the session HTML snippet um, for viewing the Zoom and we put up view the recording. And so it was really cool. And now um, one of the, the pros was we're able to have a, an event that was usually face-to-face. You might attend and get maybe 15 sessions. Um, now our attendees could actually go to several sessions over two weeks. But then on top of that, we archived a lot of those sessions. So our attendees could almost attend up to, a, am guessing around 100 sessions uh, because of the archive factor. And we're keeping those archived 
for a month as well. And they, that ends the same time as our virtual exhibit hall. So um, it's actually a value add for our attendees. It was really, really well. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, I love, this is why I love having these conversations about experiences of shifting from live to virtual. I mean, I hope all of our listeners are really paying attention here because trying to maintain having a three-day event is just maybe not realistic. Spreading it out over two weeks is a huge benefit. And then, yeah, having this archive session list is just like such a cool benefit that we haven't really had in the past. I mean, did you notice that there was more attendance when you opened this up virtually? And I mean, would you consider doing virtual events even after this is all said and done? So, so that's, a, that's great because um, what we ended up doing is we decided to move to a virtual attendee pathway. So we spun up a virtual attendee pathway because we work with mostly educators and school districts and school district funding. And so um, that is, that's limited. We all know that. And so we only can get a subset of teachers that can attend our face-to-face -face event. Um, you know, it's, it's roughly around 5,000 people each year. When we moved to virtual, we realized that that limitation of travel and the expense of the travel was taken off. So again, we quickly spun up a virtual attendee pathway and we ended up gaining um, close to 800 extra attendees um, over those two weeks that we moved to a virtual event. Um, 800 attendees that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And um, we're also realizing the power of virtual um, and that we have to stay at virtual for our event. We have another event coming up in less in about 35 days. And that event, we automatically switched to completely virtual. And we learned so many lessons um, from our spring queue event of 5,000. This is a much smaller event. It's, it's closer to 500 people normally. And uh, we were able to turn that, that event around in two days into a virtual event, move all the sessions over into, into a virtual and put up all the account information. It was awesome. And so we, we, the repetition is, is helping us. We get faster and faster. And then we have a, uh, an event in the fall, which is a few months away. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with, with everything that's going on in the world right now. So our idea is we're hoping that uh, a lot of the restrictions are going to come, come up and come off. And, but we're going to continue with the virtual event idea and we're going to make it a hybrid event. And so what we're looking at doing is we'll sell an all access pass um, that allows you to attend face to face and to view the recordings. We'll record every session if we can. And then we'll have a, just a face to face version of that. So you can attend, but you don't get the archives and then we'll have a virtual attendee pathway as well. And so uh, we can cover all of our bases and we can turn a, uh, which is normally a, a medium-sized event for us, about 1,500 people. With virtual attendees, we could, uh, who knows how big it could be. Um, so it, it's, it can, it's, it's rather fun to think about the, the something you had to do to continue moving forward is actually something that could actually turn into something that we're going to always do because we like it, right? So Yeah, I mean, 800 attendees is not a drop in the bucket, right? Like an yeah. additional 800 <laughs> attendees that's pretty significant and can grow, like you said, grow your audience for years to come. Yes. Um, I, f I feel like I remember when we were originally talking, you had some unique piece of this event. It was like a voting part of it. How did yeah. you handle that virtually? Yes. yes. So um, part of our spring event, it's our, it's our big event for the year. We call it our national conference. And um, 
we are a membership organization, as I said, and so we have a, a board and members and we have bylaws and votings, votes. And, and so we have to elect, elect new board members every year. And typically we always do that around our spring conference. And we typically have used this third party voting platform um, to do that role. But um, because of all the situation with everything that happened, revenue is down because we're giving money back, right? And so we we're trying to figure out how we can cut corners and cut some costs because that platform costs us about $4,000 for the, the, the year to, to do all the voting for the, the election. So what we decided to do is turn Cvent registration platform into a Cvent voting platform. And um, really it, it shows the power and the flexibility of us, no pun intended, a flex, right? right and so, I was going to say, that was uh, one of the best marketing we've ever gotten. <laughs> so, yes, the, the language management feature really sold it for us. The, the power of, and, and I'll go into that more, we were able to turn all the language of a registration system into a voting system. So instead of sessions, we called the candidates. Instead of agenda, it called it um, the list of candidates. So I, I can't remember exactly what some of the nuances we did, but we were able to change the vote, the registration language into voting language. And it worked seamlessly and it, it felt when somebody went in, it felt like they were voting on a voting platform, not registering for an event, right? And so uh, we also were able to keep the confirmation email, which made it feel really official that here's my vote and I, I can prove I voted type of thing. Uh, so it was super cool. The other thing that was great is the idea that Cvent allows invitations to register and you can privatize an event. So we were able to keep one vote per email. So we have 27,000 plus members. We sent that out as invitees to that event, quote event. And one email equals one vote. If you didn't get the email, you don't get to vote. And what that is wonderful because it keeps that as an actual vote and not some just, hey, go and register and boost my elections, right? So, um, that that again goes back to the power of Cvent and those those two features the the private invites and the language management really made it work for us and and it's it's turning out to be rather successful for us. Yeah, like the flexibility of the you know kind of thinking outside the box, right? Like that's really really cool. And I mean, I love how much you love Cvent. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because like, this is my day job. I love yeah. using Cvent and finding like ways to use Cvent and, and, you know, in a unique way and like a way it's not supposed to necessarily be used, but it's exactly what you did on your own. And I'm really impressed. I, I hope that everybody is, is listening to that too. So this is a really <laughs> nice job, Danny. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, yeah. We've been, we've been in Cvent for uh, less than a year now and um, spring Q was actually our first full blown event using all the C event modules, the event abstract management, crowd compass, et cetera. Um, and, and it was, it was working rather well for us. And then we had a switch and it showed it even more the power that C event had to offer us um, uh, before at the first few months, we only used it for onesies and twosies and small events. And we only used certain pieces of the C event modules, 
But uh, moving into spring queue, we really got to see how Cvent can shine for us. And then the voting aspect just was the icing on the cake for us and really showed us the little nuances that how we can use it. And, and working with my uh, customer success manager, Lauren, she, she's showing me things that like, hey, you guys are su doing super but did you know you still, you still haven't touched these little things? And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> right? So there's still things yet to come for me and I'm still learning Cvent. So I'm super excited to see what's even left that I, I don't even know yet. Um, because that, you know, you don't know what you don't know type of thing, right? Yeah. So, and I love that you work so closely with your client success consultant on that. Both Cody and I hold that special in our hearts because we were both in that department at one point in our careers. And so we know just like how much knowledge these people have and are just really out there to kind of help planners like you figure out how to solve problems with technology. Yes. It, I, I, I I, I, I call my team. It's my team. Yeah. Um, and, and the Cvent team I work with is awesome. So, um, and I, it, I don't think we'd be here without them. Um, and, you know, I've used the event build services for both the event and crowd compass. And that's really helped me. Um, they tease me because they're like, we don't usually work with people like you <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm don't just build it for me tell me how I can build it for myself. Right. And so I think yeah. if, um, if, if I, that's one piece of advice, if I can say it now is, is um, if you're out there and you're, you're one of, you're a guy like me or, or a planner like me or a manager like me, make sure you're thinking about how you can build it out. And then that you're learning the platform just that much more instead of this having Cvent build, you've built it for you. Um, yep. Yeah. That's really cool. And in fact, um, this is a perfect segue. I, I wasn't going to mention it, but this is a perfect time. I mean, Cvent right now is offering certifications and trainings for free. So, I mean, if anybody who's listening, if you have some free time and you want to, you know, do what Danny's saying, like learn the system, it's a great time to do that. So, um, Cody, don't let me forget. We need to put that link in the podcast description as well. That's my oh, summer summer COVID project. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Come out, you'll come it. out of this bigger, stronger, more informed. I yeah. like it. Well, Danny, it's been so much fun having you on here. Got to ask if you had to leave our event professionals with just one takeaway or piece of advice, really, what would that be? I would say uh, for us, it was uh, don't be afraid to think outside the box and, um, you know, really think up through how you can you can make that switch and don't be afraid of taking some of those chances um like this the the voting platform idea um also uh just be ready to have some hiccups at the beginning and and roll with the punches um the big thing is 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 moving to a virtual event don't try to shoehorn it all into one moment um the the great the power of virtual is that you can kind of take your time a little bit and um, allow that to stretch out and, and allow everybody to be successful, not only yourself, but also your people that are attending your event. And so that, I guess those kind of things that I would, would say would be my advice. That's great advice. Is there, where are you getting your information right now? Is there anything you want to promote or share with our listeners so that they can kind of follow your lead as far as staying up to date on the virtual event trends or just, you know, the, the environment right now. Actually, I, I 
not following anything. I, I would love to even know myself because I would okay. love to stick up. I've always been a life hacker, if you will. And so um, I, I, I have tend to break, have, have broken past systems because I would hack them. But Cvent, the nice thing about Cvent is you can life hack Cvent without hacking Cvent, if that makes okay. sense. And so um, again, it's, it's more of just be ready to think outside the box and, and uh, think through those, those ways that you can take this little piece and possibly flip it and, and turn it into something different. Well, and I bet there's a certain podcast that you like to listen to too right now. Sure, sure. <laughs> Going to be yeah. on my favorite no list pressure. from now on. <laughs> I mean, you look so professional. For those that are listening to the audio, we also have a, a video version of this that's up on the YouTube channel. You'll have to check it out. Danny has the most legit podcast, <laughs> more than Cody or myself. <laughs> that's funny. It long, long time uh, old microphone that I... I Back in the day when I was uh, doing the teaching, I, I had a small podcast. So <laughs> That's awesome. Love I love it. Well, cool. Well, thanks again, Danny. Thank you for joining today's very special edition videocast. Wow. It was so cool to hear how Danny was able to shift his event to virtual so quickly. It was mind-blowing. I just loved hearing the clever ways that he used Cvent to complement Q Inc.'s virtual event. And, you know, there were some hiccups in the beginning, but it was really great to hear how he overcame those challenges and had a successful event. Love it. And, you know, for our listeners out there, to get more episodes and exclusive content, head on over to cvent.com slash podcast. You can check out our episode description for a link to additional resources about virtual events. And if anyone out there is also handling event shifts to virtual or postponing and have tips or tricks you'd like to share, please let us know by emailing us at podcast at cvent.com. We'd just love to have you on the show. And before you guys know it, there's going to be another great episode. So we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.